Carol and I walked along a beach on a sunny, breezy February morning to talk about the life she's lived. We were barefoot. The sand was especially cold. And after about 20 minutes, we moved to the deck. Later that afternoon, we finished our conversation on her couch. In the first 20 minutes, the sound of the waves hitting the shore is easily heard in the background. As I was checking her mic, Carol asked me about what kinds of profanity were permitted during a podcast, just in case I needed to edit something out. Well, I want you to make sure you ever edit it every time I say shit. Well, when I talk to people about the podcast, I just ask them to not, like, overly swear. The shit's not really a big deal. I mean, it's, it's not as bad as things other people can say. No, I don't use the other words. You don't use the other words? No, no. I was, all, I was raised in a family where if you cussed, you didn't have good language. Okay, so shit's your only bad word. Yeah, I very seldom use the other. Pete, uh, Pete always used son of a bitch. He never said the other. Mama always said shit. All of us kids said shit. So shit was like your your family approved, uh, approved family motto. Family approved bad word. There, come a little closer. There we go. It's actually really nice. Yeah, it is nice. It's nice and warm. Right here at the water's edge. I quit looking for the shells a long time ago because I had so many of them. Yeah. Well, I can remember a time wading out there in the water up to my crotch looking for shells. And now i got tons of them. Now I look for money. Good morning. Good morning. And believe me, I find money. So one of the first questions I asked... for cigarettes. Oh, it's, well, you're downwind. Woo. Uh, one of the first questions I ask people mm-hmm. is, what is your earliest memory? Like, it doesn't have to be anything specific or special, but if you can think back in your life, what is the first thing you really remember? Oh, I th- well, the big one was, you know, when I was five, but probably around the same time. I can remember putting water in the gasoline tank of my daddy's truck because I was going to help him out. Oh. Uh-huh. I helped him all right. Helped him out and got my little butt paddled at the same time. Uh, so you didn't know the difference between water and gasoline? No. I was little. I might have been four or five years old when I did that. And you remember it because you got to spanking? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Or probably because, or maybe because the story's been told so many times about it. I was, I was the child that did stuff, and I, then I remember. I don't know, and I think back on it now. If Mama might have had a boyfriend, because I sure told Pete that she did. You told your mom. You told your dad your mom had a boyfriend. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, and what happened? <laughs> Well, that's when I told him the other story about being molested, and he called me a liar. Oh. So, who knows whether, you know, probably I did a lot of things for attention. I don't know, because I don't remember those, some of those memories are just gone. Because, you know, you try to think back after you were five. I know that we lived in the Delta until... We must have moved down to the coast, I always have said, when I was five. But I know I went to first grade over on the coast. That was the first time. You know, back then, they didn't have kindergarten. 
So I went, I was in first grade down here. So that was six. But I think it was probably before I turned, uh, probably before I turned six, probably the summer before I turned six, because, you know, he was a farmer. And Your dad? Yeah, well, he worked for other, you know, worked on people's farms. They picked... He was more of a laborer then? Yeah. Yeah, him and uh, Mama both picked cotton. And I can... You don't talk about the earliest memory. Is Janice taking me to the cotton fields to show Mama the haircut she did on me. Oh, how did that go over? Well, let me put it way this way. I had a head full of pretty curls and dark hair. I was the only dark-haired child my mother had. And Janice, I le we left Kenny. Kenny was on a top bunk. We left him on that top bunk. I don't know why. Uh, How I, old was he? Oh, he was a baby. You just left him on the top bunk. Well, if I was, if I was four, it might have been marrying on the top bunk. But if I was that little, I was probably four, and she might have been at the most six, and that was before moving out of the Delta. She took me out to the cotton field to show Mama this haircut, and she clipped my bangs to the scalp up in the front, cut off my curls, and Mama pulled up a cotton stalk and <laughs> beat her butt with it. Probably the biggest, biggest whipping she ever got in her life. So she whipped her with a cotton stalk. She, oh, she was furious. Oh, people probably thought you had lice or something. <laughs> well, she cut it. She didn't skin me bald. She cut it cut the bangs to the scalp in different spots, you know. She's going, I don't know what her intentions was, but she didn't work out. So she was probably what, five or six? Well, I was probably four, she's probably six. Kenny was two, Marion was a baby. And back then you just left your children at home if you went and worked in the fields? Right. I mean, you just left us there and you were out in those fields and you, were, you weren't like miles away. Because in order for Janice to walk a four-year-old, you know, four-year-olds don't walk that far. She had to walk me not too far. I'm walking that way. I think the water's a little too cold for my feet this morning. So let's cut up a little bit higher on the beach. And it'll be harder to walk. Oh, it's still, it's still firm here. Mm, that feels better. Pull that hood up. But... I can remember moving down to the coast. I loved it. We lived uh, above a wash, uh, um, a, uh, a barber shop on the second floor. A barber shop? Yeah, we lived above a barber shop. And I can remember, I had a little boyfriend, of course, I, uh, you know, and I can remember first grade. Mama always walked us to school. And then, I, then we moved from that area we were right on the beach, right, I mean, like, you like see a, where those homes are? Yeah. Well, we were like that with the beach. And so we moved over to a different area, uh, and I, I, I don't remember that much about first grade. I remember second grade because the teacher pulled my hair and pinched me for talking. And I was, I was scared. She pulled my hair and pinched me 
because in first grade, they teach you how to add. Second grade, they teach you how to subtract. Well, my little mind wouldn't wrap around subtract, and I kept adding. But uh, she got so frustrated with me, she pulled my hair and pinched me. But because you were talking or because you couldn't do the arithmetic? Because I couldn't do the arithmetic. And uh, I never could do the arithmetic in her class. She passed me anyway to get rid of me. Third grade, piece of cake. I loved my teacher. She was sweet. Fourth grade. And it was, I think it was in the third grade. This is strange the way they did things back then. I, I got sick, and I was running a temperature. I was running a high temperature. Mama wasn't home. Of course, back then, you didn't have phones all over the place. They sent me home. You just walked home by yourself with yes, a fever? Yes, I walked home by myself with a fever. How, how far was your house from the school? Oh, I would say half mile. It could have even been a mile. Who knows? Back then, you're a kid. You don't measure stuff. I walked home, and... Uh, it was it was it was warm. It was it must have been in uh, either late a late spring or or either in the uh, early late summer. But whenever it was, it was warm. And she came home, and she found me. I had Pete was asleep. She found me laying next to a heater, one of those space heaters, or I think we called them something else back then. I had turned that thing on high, and I was shivering and shaking. And she snatched me up and had me at that doctor's office. And he just basically told her, a little bit longer than I'd have been dead. So. So what kind of infection do you know what you had? Yeah, I had a sinus infection. But you had such a bad high fever that you could have uh, Yeah, died. I was running like, i got to get off this soft sand. Okay, let's move down a little bit further. I just turned because the wind was right in our faces. Yeah, I was, I had a temperature, it was like 105 when she got me there, and he told her just a couple hours and I'd have been dead. So that was my first round of penicillin shots. They didn't give you any kind of pills back then. It was a shot in the hip. And by the time those five days was up, I was fighting like a tiger, and the needle got stuck in my hip. Did it break off? No, it took two of them to pull it off. Oh. Yeah, there was, they were pulling on it because it, it got stuck, I think, in the bone. Because he was, he was trying to give me the shot, I was fighting against the shot, and then we had to fight. They had to fight to hold me to pull out, pull that needle out. But I had a bad sinus infection. I was sick that year had a, we called it a, a rising back then. What's a rising? A boil. A boil? Uh-huh. Where was the boil at? On top of my head. It was like a goose egg up there. Oh, so like some, is it some sort of sepsis? I have no clue. All I can tell you is mama took and she put hot cloths on it and then she slit a cloth and put it around like a, like over on each side and she pressed the pulse out oh gosh and it was like a cup oh, so you had some sort of abscess on the top of your head uh-huh yeah it was a, no. but this was in conjunction with the sinus infection or this was a secondary infection uh, it might have been a secondary i was still i was young 
but I think it had to have been in conjunction with because I was about eight. I remember the schools we went to, and I remember the walking. Then we moved again. We moved a lot, you know, when I was younger. Because you were renting houses? Yes, we rented. And uh, we always stayed pretty close to the beach. And I guess I was probably eight or nine. Pete and Mama, they were asleep. And it was about 10 o'clock at night. I don't know if it was Janice's idea or mine, but we we were rascals. We got up, got the other two. We walked down to the beach, walked out on that pier, and uh, told scary stories. That's a wonderful, I had nightmares. Yeah, but how old were the smaller ones? They were, well, if you were eight, they must have been. No, I was I was probably nine or 10. Oh man, that's, that's a cold wind. I was probably nine or 10, so they were marrying at the youngest would have been uh, six. Oh, still pretty young to be walking out on a pier at night in the dark. We did all kinds of things. We lived next to the uh, uh, RC Cola oh, wow. plant. It had it had like a eight or nine, ten foot high fence. Why don't we turn this way while you tell this story? Because the wind is really cold. There we go. We, we had a nine, eight or nine. I mean, it was a big old tall fence. We put Kenny up to climbing that fence. And throwing uh, soft drinks over the over that fence. I'm telling you, man, we were we were something else. Delinquents. Well, that's what you'd call them nowadays. Huh. Mischievous. Mischievous. Okay. Yeah, we did. We actually did some things, and we walked to school unless it was raining. I was good in school, by the way. But, but we walked every day. And if it was raining, Mama would come and pick us up. When I went to... Did you have a car? She had an old pink Cadillac. Really? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It was convertible. So we would walk. Janice and I was. We'd walk. And we'd walk to school. I was in third grade when, we, when, we, when I started this school called Westward. And it was right. The front of it was right across the highway from the beach. And... First and second graders, they had to be in the back, away from the beach. Third through sixth, we were in the front. I would go to the front where I was supposed to be. The monitor would take me to the back. I'd turn around, as soon as she put me there and she left, I went back to the front. And I kept telling her, I'm not supposed to be with the babies, I'm eight. Nope, she did not believe me because I was so little. Because you were tiny. I was very tiny. You figure Mama had four kids, and I wasn't a tiny baby. I weighed eight pounds and something, but I was the uh, the tiniest. Do you think maybe because of your illness? That I was small? Yeah. No, this was prior. Oh, okay. I mean, this was, <coughs> this was after, yeah, it was after I had been sick. But no, because, you know, I ended up being 5'4". Okay. But we were all, you know, we were slender built. We ran. We never went any place in a car. If we went someplace, we walked. So you were lean kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There wasn't a, 
there wasn't a chubby one among us. We might have been little chubby babies because we were all breastfed. I think Marion wasn't so much because by that time the formulas had come out or the milk milk had come out. But uh, she she was the last one, and I can remember we were walking over in Long Beach when we lived over there, and she got behind us or wandered off some kind of way from the rest of us. And I guess Mama turned around and she was gone. So we started backtracking. This is how you don't pay attention when you got four kids. Started backtracking, and here she comes. Some lady had her by the hand, toddling along. She was, she, she, I don't remember a whole lot about her, a whole lot about, you know, just little things, you know, how you, you're more focused on your own, own things going on. But I know that we played out in the summertime from daylight to dark. Did anybody else in your family, any of the other kids, get really sick, or was it just you? Just me. Nobody else had weird boil on top of their head? Or... Nope. Just me. She always said I was, but you think about what happened to me, about being molested at five. I think that has an effect on you in a lot of different ways that you don't think about. Oh, yeah. You never think about, well, affecting the health. Well, but it there's does. research now that says it does. Yeah. It has an enormous impact. Yeah. Well... And I'm sure it does. But you carry things over with you. And one of the things I think that you carry with you is the distrust of people. Do you think your siblings were more trustful of people than you were? Uh, Barry and sure was, but Janice and Kenny, not, not as much. I think Janice was because, you know, Janice pushed Bruce off on me because he went for her first and she said, take Carol. Does she remember that? She ought to because I reminded her enough of it over the years. But does she remember that specific event? Well, she didn't. She wasn't in on the, because he put her out of the truck and she was out there with, the, with his sons. And, uh, you know, I was the one in there crying. But she does, you know, she don't have memories of this per se, other than what I have repeated over the years. And these are things you do not forget. You people think, oh, well, they're five, they won't remember this. And years later, years and years later, when I was an adult, I asked Mama, I said, how come y'all did not do anything? I mean, you do this to your child, somebody does this to your child, and you don't protect them, you never, this person never pays for it? Oh, she, she said, I don't know. And I mean, that's a dumb answer to give a kid, I mean. Well, you were an adult, but. Yeah, I was an adult, then, but that was even, you know, that was even more hurtful. But my mother was, she was she was smart enough to go to work and support four kids after they split up but i think early on you know when we were living close to the beach and we were it was the four of us sneaking down to the beach late at night cuz he was working Pete was working the night shift so he he'd come he would sleep later in to the night and we'd just sneak off we were 
we were just into stuff. We just did stuff, kid stuff, I think. But and nowadays, I mean, parents would have a cow if they knew what what we did. But there wasn't the danger. I mean, there was danger out there, but it was closer to home. But you the, mean closer to home? You I mean, like in your opinion? In, in my opinion, it was the family you had to be aware of, or the add-ons to the family. I mean, I think, in, I think, you know, because I know I don't feel like he had Alzheimer's. I think he was just a pedophile, frankly. You mean the the uncle Bruce? The, yeah, yeah. I, he was just a flat pedophile, and I know that my aunt had to have known something. She had to. Have, because when when my cousin told me about them going there and those boys enticing her into the room, her and her sister, and they were in there playing with themselves, masturbating in front of them, and they never told, they didn't tell their daddy. And my uncle, he would have ki- he would have ki- he would have killed somebody, I think, over that with his girls. Your uncle Junior. Yeah, I loved him to pieces. Big old redheaded man. He was just a sweetheart. And how he stayed married to my aunt, I have no clue, because she was mean as a snake. I, there was something wrong, mentally wrong, with a lot of them. And probably... On which side of the family? That's uh, the father's side. Your father's side. Yeah, my father's side. But back in the day, when stuff was going on, you didn't connect it to Alzheimer's. Just like, you know, with my sister. You didn't connect that meanness she had and that controlling and that, that clean clean freak stuff that went on, and my aunt had it too. I mean, you just didn't mess up the house. Every thing had to be spotless. And it was after I did some study on the Alzheimer's and the, the early onset, she had that. And there was, there was things that you could see in the family. And it came off of uh, the, the my father's side, that the alcoholism and the uh, uh, early onset Alzheimer's, I've got two of my cousins that I know of have it. And they are, they are really sweet women. They don't have that meanness like my aunt did and my sister did. These are very sweet girls, but they're gonna end up eventually forgetting and doing things i mean it's it's detectable now to a certain degree with the repetition and the forgetting with the older one but the younger one she's just barely she's just now into her, her 60 and uh first time i ever met her she sits there i don't know why people tell me things but they do she's sitting on a stool next to me and uh she tells me right then and there, I, I've been diagnosed with uh, early onset Alzheimer's. She's a school teacher. So this is your um, your father's side of the family, uh-huh. and there seems to be a lot of people with Alzheimer's. Well, the only ones I know about are those two girls and my sister and my aunt. But that's a lot in a family. Uh, yeah, that's a lot in the family, and it's called uh, familial Alzheimer's, which is early onset. And then your father didn't have Alzheimer's, or he? you don't know? You, I don't know, because, you know, he raped my two half-sisters and uh, when they were about 16. And, you know, my sister showed uh, symptoms of, like, you know, men and stuff like that. And there were symptoms there, the way she went through, you know, sexual fantasies and pulling her shirt up out and 
public, just different things that she did. I mean, but people with Alzheimer's have all kinds of behaviors that are unusual. Right, yeah, and, and she did, she did. But so you think on your father's side of the family there, there was alcoholism? Oh, there was, I know there was. But I mean, that was the thing with there was also Alzheimer's. Yeah, because I know that uh, I, have, I have this uncle and I, he was just the sweetest man but he ran over, he was driving an uh, ice cream truck and he backed over these, these young black boys and killed both of them. And he, he started drinking. He, like I said, he worked, but he, every night he got drunk. Whereas... Because he felt so guilty. Yeah, the guilt, the guilt ate him up. And I had another uncle that, you know, he was... He was an al. I had most of the men on his side. They were alcoholics. On on, on your father's side of the family. Uh huh. And then of course my brother was an alcoholic. And a delinquent and whatever else you want to say about him. But Pete, when he, when him and uh, Mama split up, and eventually he married a woman that was just about, I think she's about five years older than me, and they had two children. And he started, when they were about 15, 16, he started raping those girls. Did they tell their mom? I, did they tell anyone? I think they did. And I'll tell you why. Because she, my uh, oldest step, half-sister, her and her mother have no relationship. And she, bl she blames her a lot because she was working and leaving those girls at home. And finally, when uh, she was 16, she pulled a knife on him and told him that if he ever touched her again, she'd kill him. He left her alone, but he turned to the other sister. Now, and so at that point, it never occurred to them to go to the police, or they were too scared, they didn't know what to do? Apparently, or, and they, I think they told their mother. I honestly do think they did, because of the fact that that uh, older sister of mine, she, her, they don't have a relationship. She does, she has not forgiven her mother. Now the younger girl, she is um, not a Pentecostal, but she's very uh, a, a born again Christian. Now she has forgiven her mother, and she and I talked for a long time, and we don't go into details about being molested or anything like that. She just, you know, said that she had for her own sake to forgive. Now, your dad, he did these things to his children that he had in his second marriage, but as far as you know in your family? Nope, he never touched any of us because he was so focused in on my mother. Was he, would you say he was obsessed with her? Oh, yes, and but see, even with him being obsessed with her, when my grandparents died, uh, they left, uh, they burned up in a fire, and it was, uh, Grandpa was, uh, he, he had cancer, and he came home one night, and he was, he was on pain medicine, and he grabbed the can, I can't remember which one of it was, there was coal, coal oil and kerosene, and he threw it on the fire, and it blew back on him and set him on fire. And he ran outside to roll in the snow. Well, the house burned down, and he couldn't get back in there. They said that it was so bad that just the, the flesh on his bones was just falling off. That's how bad it was. My uh, oldest aunt was, I'm trying to think, that was in, uh, it was 
the year, it was in January of 48 that the fire was. So my aunt must have been, oh, about five, four or five years old. She remembers it, and then I had another aunt, aunt uh, one of my other aunts. She cannot live in a house with a door that closes. Oh. Now, she made it out, and my, my uncle made it out. It's easier probably if I tell you who died in the fire, which was Grandpa, Grandma, and... Um, uh, Grandma had a baby. There was a there was a, a little little girl. Uh, I can't call up her name. She had a uh, yeah, she had a son, and he was a baby, and he was ten days older than I am. So he this was in January of. Uh, so four people died in the fire. Grandma, Grandpa, and two of the children died in that fire, and Grandpa was on fire out there crying burning and dying, hollering that I killed my my wife and my babies. But three people <coughs> survived, three of the younger No, survived. actually, uh, one, two, three, five of them. They were all children, they survived. They got yeah, out? Yes, they got mm -hmm. out. No, actually six of them, because one of them got killed in a, uh, a car wreck later on. Six of them got out. Okay. And uh, So you, when you were started talking about this, you I had asked you about your dad being obsessed with your mom, and you said, well, then there was the fire. So what? Where well, we what happened was, at one time, there, uh, some of those children, and one of them was my, one of the oldest, aunt, that wasn't married, came, and I, he, she says that he tried to get to her, and she hit him with a frying pan. Oh, and that's when your mom was still pretty young, and she had uh, young children. Right. Yes. And that, I mean, that's her story, and she's sticking to it, which, you know, I'm not sure because, you know, her memory is not that good. It could, you know, I know that they came and got the children. But how but, old would she have been? Oh, she, let's see, she's 83 right now. So she, at the time of the fire, she was about 13, 13. So, and you, she's saying your dad came after her and tried to force himself on her. Right. But there was a lot of stuff that uh, people just don't realize how bad back in that time. Things did not get reported. Things were not done. Rape was not reported. I mean, so much stuff. That's just like, you know, uh, my mother's oldest sister, Juanita, but her husband raped two of his daughters and one of them to this day won't talk about it but the other one does is and, Juanita still alive no she's been dead for years yeah. but at times I think back on that and he, uh, he started uh, raping them when they were you know teen, young teenagers but he was sitting in that table when I went in there with 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 my sister and I told what happened. And you were a little girl. You were a little girl. I was five years old. I went in there and told them what he what he did. Oh, sorry, uh, what he did. And uh, Pete told me, "Get out of here, girl, and quit your lying." And that's when I track it back. Maybe I told that story about Mama having a boyfriend, and he thinks I'm telling lying. But a five-year-old don't make up that story like that. So this. The person sitting at the table, was he a blood relative besides your dad? No, he was uh, my aunt's husband. So 
and I'm just I'm just trying to track some people that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. We know that your dad later on in life had molested his two children. We know that one of your uncles who was married into the family also. Yeah, he was sitting at the table with my with, with, with Pete. Bruce was at the time. No, no, this was a different man. No, it was it was uh, my aunt's husband. He was sitting at the table. A different aunt with a different husband who'd also had sexually molested his children. Yeah, he molested his daughters when they were teenagers. And this was Bruce's, and then Bruce was the third person. Bruce was not at that table. No, but he was the third person. Yes, Bruce was the one that molested me. And, and, and his own children. Yes. And were they all from a certain side of the family, or was it just, in, no, it was just random? No, no. Uh, uh, my aunt lived in Mobile, and we had went for the visit there. That's when I was molested. Uh, the man that molested me threatened to kill my parents, so, so we didn't tell. Uncle Bruce, who was married to your father's sister, sister and he told you... He, he told me and Janice both, my sister both. See, what happened was, he went for my sister, Yeah. and she said, no, take Carol. Wow. Yeah. And she was probably six, seven at the She time. was seven. Wow. I was five. And I think that set a pattern for her for the rest of her life, too. Always pushing somebody off of somebody. But then, you know, I think there was some mental illness with my sister, too, as the time goes by, I think, because the things that I know about my other aunt that had Alzheimer's, that there was something so unconnected. So as far as the trying to establish a certain side of the family where these things were happening, it was just both sides. It was coming from all directions. Well, the thing is, is it wasn't the... Uh, my mother's family that was doing this stuff, it was the men that the women married that were doing these and things. And they were from your father's side of the family or both? That's what I'm trying to establish. The men that did these things? Yeah, they were from both sides of the family. No, there was one man, that, which was my father, and then my aunt, which was my mother's sister, Okay, so her husband did it to his children. So I was just trying to figure out maybe if it, there was some sort of complicity on one side of the family or the other, but it seems like it was just complicity in general. Right. Uh, I mean, it was it it seems like it was rampant back then because of the things that I know that happened in the family. Now, and do you think it was because? I mean, other than the fact that you couldn't be believed because of the place that you lived or the time that you lived. Well, I I wonder at the time because I had told, told on, and I, I kind of think now maybe Mama was having an affair with somebody, that uh, I told Pete about it, and of course she she denied it, which she would have done, and uh, said I was a liar. And then when I told something that was horrific, I was called a liar. I, that's the only way I can track things back. As far as your relationship with your parents, what was your relationship like with your mom, and what was your relationship like with your dad? Well, with my with with Pete, I didn't care. You know why I call him Pete? Because I can't stand the thought of calling him father, knowing what he did to his children, and not only me with the not believing and not taking up for for me, but for what for raping his his daughters, and then. You know, he was he was not a father, basically. He was just somebody that brought home food. Because I can never remember. I always tried to make him love me more so that he would protect me. That didn't happen. 
and my sister, you know, she 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 had nothing to do with him. She hated him. Your older sister or your younger? My older sister. She hated him all her life, but that was because now that I know that he took, she felt like he was taking our mother away from her. Her focus and the only thing, she married, let's see, one, two, three times. She never loved these men. The only person, even her own children, I don't think she loved them the way a mother loves her children. I, she, the only person my sister ever truly loved was our mother. Now, I know that she loved me and my sister probably more than she did her own children, although I wouldn't like for them to hear that. And she, the men she married, she ran around on every one of them except for the last one, and she would have run around on him if she thought she could have got away with it. Or she would have actually left him if she thought she could have somebody to take care of her. Yeah, because she never, she didn't have a, a, a vocation or anything? No, no. Yeah. She she had no way of taking care of herself. I mean, she could have if she really wanted to. My, so, my mother what, did. What was your relationship like with your mother? My mother? She loved me, and I know she did. But as far as trusting her, oh, no, I didn't trust her. I mean, I loved her. I did things to take care of her. I really did not think about how ignorant she possibly could be until I left my little girl with her. And uh, I had left some drops, eardrops for her, because she had an ear infection and she tried to put them up her nose. And when she was telling me all this stuff, I thought, she's never watching my kid again. But it was ignorance, you know. Don't read. You don't read the. It just because it's in a dropper, it goes in the nose. So I never trusted her with my with my my child again. Huh. But I never left her with with um, with her maybe one time. Hmm. And even with uh, my sister, when she was watching my child just for a couple hours after I worked, she just I noticed there was no patience there. I mean, you don't have the patience, and I know my father didn't have the patience. If a kid cries, and I remember being in the car with her one time, and my little boy had ear infections a lot, and he was hurting, and he was crying, and she turned around on me, and she, she screamed at me, can't you make that kid shut up? Uh, I wanted to, the urge to pop her one was very great. Your mom and dad, for what, either, because of the molestation or your experiences after with you just didn't really have a lot of trust in either parent oh no good grief no i mean you those two i couldn't trust to protect me and maybe that's why i married who i married and i get more protection than i ever need <laughs> so what was your relationship with your siblings like you've talked a little bit about your older sister well i protected my younger sister from my, my brother. And for some reason, every time, well, even as a young boy, I liked to read a lot. And I'd sit out on the front porch and we had some real comfortable older chairs out there. And he would start, he would come up and he'd start picking on me and try to get me to quit reading. I guess he wanted attention. I don't know. All I wanted to do was bury myself in these books. 
That was part of your escape. Oh, yeah, big time. That's why I read so many fantasy fiction books. And he would come up there, and I was sick because I had those sinus infections. And he would call me snot, for, snot from sinuses. And I heard that so many times it was run, unreal. And finally, I would get up, and I would explode with an attempt or a tantrum. And, I, you know, we were the same size, and he was actually stronger. But I'd just smack him around a few times, and he'd leave me alone. You would think that would be the end of it. But this would go on several times a week. And I can remember, this is a game we played. I don't know who invented this game. But me and my brother and my little sister, we had to sit on the couch. And the oldest, oldest sister was the mama. And we called that game Mean Mama. And I think this stemmed from the fact that when we were at the dinner table, we were not allowed to talk because Pete would come home and he would be tired. He didn't want to hear anybody talk. All he wanted to do was sit there and eat. And so we invented the game of Mean Mama. And we had to sit on the couch and we could not smile. We could not look. We had to keep quiet. Well, eventually one of us, probably me, would start to laugh. And she would take the newspaper and beat us with the newspaper. Your older sister? Her older sister. And, of course, uh, my youngest sister, she didn't get the beatings, but me and the brother did. But mostly me, because I laughed so hard, because I would get tickled. So we played that game, and then later on, dadgummit, if she didn't treat her, her two children basically the same way, she was a very abusive mother, as in my eyes. Because she dressed them neatly and expected them, if they went outside, and, but it, they could play all, all day outside, but the minute they came in, they had to take a bath, change clothes, and then they were not allowed to go back out. So the house had to be kept neat, really neat, really clean. And my aunt that had Alzheimer's was the same way with her children. She was abusive with her children. So growing up, you and your brother had a lot of conflict. Oh, yes, yes. But whenever he was in trouble, who did he came to me I was the one that protected him and I was the one that protected him protected the little sister we couldn't depend on the older one at all I mean she's just she was not good at that but you know sometimes we had good times I'm not gonna tell you we didn't because we had a lot of laughter in the house especially after Pete was gone because I can remember the the things we did like taking our taking the little brother and dressing him up in a, a hat and a pair of panties and a bra that looked like he was a girl sitting out on the uh, stoop in her underwear and the cars that come by and they'd slow down and we would be inside that house laughing ourselves silly. Well, your brother agreed to this? Oh, yes. He was all, we were, we were crazy. Oh, he was in on it. Oh, yeah, he was in on it. And I, I, the funniest thing happened is the, the night we were there by ourselves, because a lot of times Mama was working at night, that's after they split up. And I can remember, we heard a noise outside, it was me and my older sister. And we were looking outside, peeking, to see if there was anything there. And he came up behind us, and when he did, we, had, we heard him come up behind us, and we turned around and screamed. 
and he ran and he cleared he jumped the dining room table was toward the back of the kitchen and he jumped that he cleared that dining room table when he jumped it scared him so bad it scared him so bad he was worthless too as far as protection you couldn't get protection out of that one either me my idea of protection was pick up the vacuum cleaner uh the the metal part of it and it was like a pipe and waylay him when he beat up on the little sister so you beat him with a vacuum cleaner pipe i sure did how often did that happen? that only happened one time because it was funny because he he was sitting there and she was trying to do something and all i heard was karini kenny's hitting me over and over your mom wasn't home no she had to work and I, i was i was sitting there trying to read a book I had my nose in the book a lot. And finally, I'd go in there and I'd say, leave her alone, leave her alone. One too many times I heard it. And this time I was in the kitchen washing the dishes. And I I had walked in there and I had told him several times to leave her alone. I went back in the kitchen. I had been filling up the sink with water and there was water all over the floor. About that time I heard it again. And I grabbed the nearest thing I could get my hands on, and I waylaid him. I didn't kill him, but I thought was there probably. <laughs> he thought I killed him. Then as soon as Mama came in that door, he was crying, but he wasn't crying. He laid down on the floor, grabbed his arm, and told her I broke his arm. Did she, you break his arm? Oh, heck no. She just looked at him, and I said, Mama, he has been hitting on our little sister. She turned around and looked at him said you better behave yourself and she just walked off <laughs> do you think your mom had a lot of like control as far as managing four kids no especially after your dad left she, or you, she and your dad split up they 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 split up they were running around on each other no uh, me and my a little brother and my little sister lived with him for a while after they split up and something i guess mama found a job and we were living over in Biloxi by ourselves. And uncle, my uncle and uh, my aunt came from Texas. Well, I just packed up my stuff and went to Texas and lived with them. For how long? Oh, I know, for at least a year. And no one came to get you? Oh, they came to get me. They, she came, Mama came after me. She had uh, uh, Pete come, come with her to get me because it was his brother and uh, they came after me of course the first thing he did was they started drinking he gave her a black eye your mom uh-huh uh, so I went back home how uh, was your life when you lived with your aunt and uncle in Texas what was that like oh it was it was good it was pleasant my uncle was a drunk but he worked all day and then he'd come home and get drunk but he was a pleasant drunk I mean you know he was just a drunk that just drank sat there and drank but he didn't hurt his kids. No, no, he was not a mean drunk. And my aunt, I loved her to pieces. And she was real sweet. My cousins, you know, we were all easy together. They didn't seem to resent me being there because they were, you know, my one of them was the same age as I was. And one of them was the same age as my sister. So, I mean, we got along fine. And you would have stayed there? Yeah. Yeah, I would have stayed there. I was going to school there. and So you would have not even gone back with your own family. How old were you? Oh, about 14, 13, 14. So you would have just stayed in Texas with that family hey, if they would have let you? If, yeah, but it was quiet. There was no fighting. 
All I want to do is don't fight. Just give me some peace. Leave me alone. You just wanted to read your books. Leave, yeah, let me read my books. Let me, because, you know, back then we didn't have the games, but I paid attention to my, you know, my brother and sister, and I took care of them as much as I could. So was there less responsibility for you with the aunt and the uncle? Yeah, because I was, I was the young, I was the, there was a, there was, I was, I had a, a female cousin was the same age as I was, then, uh, I, you know, we were two, the two youngest ones. They just let us be. We, you know, we did stuff that probably shouldn't, I wouldn't have let, let my kid do, but uh, I was more protective that way. I was, you know, I just didn't let kids run. But back then, you could kind of, there were situations where you were safe in, and you learned how to protect yourself. And I can remember when I was dating, you know, back then you didn't have the sexual encounters that people have now. You did a lot of making out, but you didn't go all the way. At least some of us didn't. And then if somebody got too aggressive, I mean, you fought them off. And then they realize you're fighting back and they stop. Not like some of them with the date rape and stuff like that. But, well, I'm sure people were date rape back then. Oh, too, I'm sure they were. They were too, because I had a couple of them try it. But I fought so hard that you know it didn't happen, and I never went. Hey, I never. If somebody tried that on me, I never went out with them again. And you know, you you do certain things in your life, that and you learn from life experiences, and sometimes it gets kind of rough out. It got kind of rough out there because things were done. I can remember my a job that I had. The uh, man made a pass at me that I was working for, and I just pushed him off and, and just laughed at him. And uh, then one day he come out of the bathroom and he did this deliberately with his pants unzipped and his penis hanging out. Great. Yeah, right. And uh -huh. I took and he was a married man too. I looked at him. I said, "You need to zip them pants up." And I laughed at him. Well, he fired me that day, which is good because I was going to quit anyway because I went over there and told my mother about it. And what did your mom say? Uh, well, I don't know what to tell you. I don't understand her. She just, she, I know that she was, she was not, you know, she was smart enough to do work and stuff like that. I mean, she was a secretary. She learned. She knew how to do the books. But just to take an issue to protect your children. But then her boyfriend at the time made a pass at me. <laughs> Did you tell her about that? Well, you better believe I told her about it. And, you know, she she didn't have a relationship with him that way after that. So she got rid of him? Well, no, she continued to work for him because she needed a job. Oh. And uh, then when she married uh, the fisherman, that was a whole different ball game. I mean, because he... The, how he, old were you when your mother remarried? I was... Uh, in my early 20s when she remarried but then by then I had been married divorced was went to school and got an education to do work and I was working I was on my own pretty much I lived with her sister for a while who she was about four and a half years older than I, I was we lived together and uh, then somebody was after she had witnessed some kind of murder or something somebody was your mom no my sister my aunt oh and so she went and uh, moved off and hid for a long time because just to be safe but 
you know, different things happened. Back then, we didn't lock our doors. And I know that one time that uh, the front doors weren't locked. Some man come home, come, came in. I guess he was drunk, and he crawled up in the bed with my mother. And uh, she woke up, and he was there, and she told him to get up and get himself out of there and kicked him out. He was drunk. He just came in the wrong house. No one called the police. No. It wasn't, it wasn't oh, on the nightly news. No. Um, and, but then when I was living with my aunt, and I was about 22, 21, 22, 22, she and I were living together, and there was a bunch of rapes going on. You know, we had to lock the doors, but we weren't used to locking the doors. So your mom remarried a fisherman. Mm -hmm. And did was he a good guy? Was he a person that you felt safe around, or was he not? Oh, no, I felt very safe around him because he'd have killed anybody that looked our way. I mean, he was a very jealous man. And, uh, but he was also abusive. He hit her, you know, when he was drinking her. But she stayed with him until, I mean, she was, she, when she died, I was overseas because I was married to a military man. I had a little girl. And then one day he came home. My husband came home and he said, uh, I've got some bad news. And I just laughed at him. And he said, well, you know, your mother's dead. I laughed again. I said, D I said, this is not a joke. And he said, I'm serious. And he was upset. Yeah, but not near as upset as I was by this was over because, you know, this is this was the biggest attachment I had other than uh, the sisters. Can you tell me where we left off at? We left off. Um, you, your, um, your husband had you were stationed in Germany. Your husband had just come home from work and told you that your your mother had died and you thought he was joking. And that must be out of sequence there. But anyway, yes, I remember that part and I did think he was joking. And the funny thing about that was that night, I mean, I didn't sleep that night all long, night long. And we had these shutters, these, uh, it was an upstairs apartment. These shutters in uh, Germany, they blocked out all the light. If you're in a room there, it was pitch black. And I remember just laying there, and I was, oh, I was grieving something terrible. And I looked over to the shutters, and I seen the outline, perfect outline of uh, my mother's face. And it was, you know, it was lit up. And I, I'm assuming that was her way of saying goodbye. And then, of course, we went home for the funeral. And I have a hard time crying in front of people. I can remember that just as plain as day. I mean, they lost our luggage, luggage, and I had to wear my sister's. Back then, the uh, they called them hot pants were in style. That's what I wore to the funeral. Luckily, I had my shoes. And I remember at the funeral, I was sitting down. You got to remember, I had flown for uh, 24 hours. I was sitting down, and uh, we had a babysitter for the the, the little kids. And I was sitting down at the funeral home because I was exhausted. And I remember my father coming up to me because, and saying to me, get up, girl, and give your aunt that seat. Being who I was, and I was always pretty polite, which I should have told him to go stick it up his whatever. But I said, okay, and I gave her the seat, and I just wandered off. And then they had the viewing, and I decided not to look at my mother. I did not want to remember how she was. 
But when we first got to my sister's house, we got off the plane and they picked us up and got in there and I had never, I hadn't, you know, I didn't cry. And as soon as I seen two people, and that was my aunt and uncle, I cried. Your, which aunt and uncle was this? Uh, Charles and uh, Millie. Because oh. Millie had lived with us as uh, when I was a teenager. So I cried, you know, but I never did break down and weep. I weeped a lot afterwards, and even through the years, you know, I would, uh, when I moved back to the coast, I, I lived in a little town, and I had to grow, drive across a bridge. Every time I drove across that bridge, this song, Jean, Jean, would come in my mind, and I'd cry. I had to try to not cry on the way to work because it'd mess up the mascara that you wore back then, you know. But uh, you how, know. how did your mother die? My mother drowned. She fell off a shrimp boat, so it's sad, although they tried to prove that maybe her husband killed her, but I think she fell off the shrimp boat. But uh, he pulled her up out of the water with a uh, fishnet. But prior to that, my mother had been reading the Bible, and she had it marked in the Bible where she left off about how he cast the net and pulled the fish out of the sea. So it was kind of different. But anyway, getting Could back... Could your mother swim? No, my mother could not swim one bit. She should have never been out there on that boat without a life jacket on. But uh, they tried to pin her death on my stepfather because they were the... There was only uh, my mother and my stepfather and uh, my stepsister, she was young on that boat. And he gave my stepsister the rings that my mother wore, which they were not for her. Those, the ring that my mother had on was my little sister's ring. And she took it back from that child. But uh, we were at the funeral. Now, my oldest sister, who was... But my older sister, after I left, went and she had a little little boy. She was over at my mother's house all day long. Her husband had to go to work, and she stayed with my mother day in and day out. And uh, she would have been in her twenties, and your mom was in her early forties then. Uh, my mother was forty-three when she drowned, and I don't believe that my stepfather did did anything to my mother, although he had been known to hit her. And she, she had left him once, and she told my little sister that she would never go back again if she ever left him again. But they were out there on the boat, and so nobody knows really what happened, but they did. Uh, we knew the sheriff of Harrison County and grew up with him and his family, and he tried to pin it on my stepfather. But that didn't happen. So he suspected that your step there was some sort of domestic dispute. Right, he did. But I don't know. I'm not going to say whether he did or not. But I will say if he did, he paid for it. Because after that, he loved his children. He had uh, three, three girls, and he loved his, his daughters. And he lost all three of those girls before he died. Oh. So, I mean, you know. And uh, he married again after my mother died, but that woman left him because she said, 
all he, he, he did was dream about my mother and talk about my mother. So he tried to replace my mother and it didn't happen. But anyway, after we came back, we did not come back to the original place that my husband was stationed in my, in my hometown. We went to uh, a, a, another southern state, which we had, we, had a, we had a nice run with the military. And then retirement came. During that time, of course, in Germany, I had uh, another child. And my children, you know, they were, I love my children. I disciplined them. I'm not saying I was a perfect mother because I just don't believe there's one out there. But I tried to teach them. And teaching was playing games with them. I played games with them. I read to them. I chased them up and down the halls. I want to back up for a minute and ask you a question. Mm -hmm. When you were a young woman, and say you were a teenager, and what, what did you imagine your life would be like compared to what it was actually like? You know, the funny thing about that, when I was, when I was a teenager, it was just about silly and having fun. I dated a lot of, I dated a lot, but I wasn't sexually active. You know, it never was that way. And uh, did you have any dreams? Do you have what? what, what I had you? nightmares. You didn't have any sort of plan Thank, for your no, life. No, no, good grief, no. I was just out there. I had, I had so many nightmares growing up. It was unreal. But as far as a future, no, I never thought that far. I mean. All you know, at the time I was out there, I got married the first time, and it was just uh, a thing I slept with him. And I'd been told all my life, you don't sleep with anybody, so I felt guilty and I married him. And bless his heart, I really did a number on him because one day we, we moved out of the state. One day I packed up all my stuff and went and got on a bus and came home. And uh, how old were you? Twenty-one. You came back home to your mom's. I house. actually wasn't even twenty-one. I got my divorce when I was twenty-one. Mm -hmm. Nope. Came back to my mother's house. Went right straight back to the job I had. Never missed a beat. He came that night. Brought all my stuff. I'd, I'd already had a job. I already got went and got my job back. He came back. Brought my stuff. Dropped it off on the porch. Turned around and left. And I know I heard him and. I wish I could say I was sorry, but I'm not sorry. I mean, I'm sorry I hurt him, but I'm not sorry I left. And uh, after that, I went back to work. I moved out of my mother's house and moved in with my aunt. Of course, dated a few frogs and then found my prince. And uh, it was... How did you meet your husband? Your Actually, husband. I met him at a party that was at a friend's house. I met him and I was talking to him and I was, that was it. And then one night I was out with some friends and I seen him sitting over there. And I walked up to him and I said, don't I know you? And he laughed and he said, yes. And we danced and we romanced and got married. But. He was, I can honestly say, he has been the most protective and even overprotective person that I have been with in my entire life. It was just like you marry a bodyguard. 
<laughs> this bodyguard makes sure you do everything that you're supposed to. Now he doesn't eat healthy, which I have a little problem with, but that I can't, I can't control anybody's diet. But he makes sure that I am well taken care of. Plus I worked all those years and I invested my money. And uh, he made sure I was well taken care of. And believe it or not, I take a lot of vitamins and do a lot of supplements. And, and he is the one that started the whole thing by sending me a, a piece of paper on, he was overseas at the time and I was living with my children by myself and he sent me this paper and I got into vitamins and eating right. And poor kids, I took all the sugar out of the house. <laughs> but eventually I let it come back in. But, you know, and he was gone and I was still, uh, um, had fears because of the nightmares I'd have. But Do you still have nightmares? No. Occasionally I, I would have, you know, a fear-based nightmare. And I think because I, I, years ago I started putting guns in the house. I don't even think how many I got. I got, I got a we right. Don't, we don't need to know. Yeah. Well, I have, <laughs> I have guns. Let's just say I got guns in the house okay. and they are loaded and I know how to use them. Point and shoot. Not at the head. And uh, I mean, you know, we've had fun over the years. We've traveled, we visit his family, my family. And then we moved back to my, my family. And now we visit his family and my children. And when you think about your life, do you have specific happy memories or are there pieces and parts that you would consider the happiest? Uh, uh, you know, when I was little, when the kids were little, I was happy because I could chase them and make them laugh and bounce them up in the air. And I mean, there was a lot of moments. And I was, I was a little bit overprotective with my daughter, more so than I was with my son. He had a little bit more leeway. But it was, it was a fear-based thing that I didn't want anything to happen to her. And I can remember occasions that I backed a couple of people up against the wall when I thought they were doing her wrong. And that was usually my sister, my oldest sister. And matter of fact, I know it was my oldest sister because she did something one time I didn't appreciate. I packed up my kids and I was gone. She didn't even know what she'd done wrong. But I knew what she did wrong. You don't take a toy away from one child just because your child wants it. But no, I mean, there was many happy moments. There was some sad moments when my parents, when my mother died, it was sad and uh, I wasn't, you know, my brother was an alcoholic for some reason, and I don't really know why that he always called me. Of course, he tried to cheat me out of money. And then I had, of course, I had to make the decision whether he was to be taken off life support. And once they told me that, he, that he'd been gone for 15 minutes, I said, you know, 15 minutes without your brain and your brain's fried anyway from the alcohol that you've drank over the years and the drugs you've taken. I knew that was, that was not a good thing. And then, of course, my sister, and she and I had a ups and downs, but we were all close. All of us girls were always close. And we squabbled back and forth over the years, sometimes over the children and the way they, things happened with them. But even after the children were grown, it was like the three musketeers. And then my aunt, she moved back close to us, and then there was four of us, and we were always together. And then 
about 20 years before she died, I started noticing things. And I called my younger sister, she was living out of state at the time, and told her that I, I thought she had Alzheimer's. And five years went by before she was diagnosed, and uh, my, I, call, I called my, uh, my niece, and she was living out of state. And I told her, I said, I think your mama's got problems, and I think it may be Alzheimer's. And so I couldn't tell my brother-in-law because we didn't have a good relationship. We had kind of a love-hate relationship there, more, more hate than anything. And so she called, called him, and they, she was diagnosed with uh, dementia. So she was good for about 10 years, and then it steadily went down. And uh, then I was out in Washington visiting my daughter, and that's when I found out that my brother had died. And the circumstances around his uh, death were a little bit, uh, sh that should have probably been investigated since they found him out in the middle of a, a yard, uh, uh, unconscious, and of course he'd had a stroke, but I don't know if the stroke was brought on by an attack, which that wouldn't surprise me because they never did find his, wa uh, his wallet. So I had, he was cremated because that was the way we had set it up. He had signed the papers and he donated his body and then he was to be cremated afterwards. And then, oh, let's see. That was the same year that my sister had, she had gone to, gotten to the point, and there was a lot of controversy, and a lot of people came against my sister and I, my younger sister and I, because we didn't go and sit at her house. I did for a long time. I'd go over there and sit, and her husband would leave me for hours on end, and I'd be sitting in the house, and they had cats, which I have an allergy to. Two, they had dogs in there, and so I'd leave there with headaches and just totally uncomfortable. And then one day I decided I wasn't going there anymore. She didn't know who I was. She would smile if I, if, or dance or stuff like that, and I brought her to my house for years, and I took care of her while he did stuff for years. So I didn't have any regrets <coughs> when I quit going to see her. But one day, I got a phone call from, uh, I had decided to go see her, and I heard she wasn't doing well, and uh, my brother-in-law called me on my cell phone, and he said, Janice is dying, or must, and I said, is anybody with you? <coughs> he said, no. And I called all the people that he had alienated, and I said, she's dying, y'all come. They all showed up, and we sat there day after day, and I sat with her six to eight hours a day until she died. I could not cry. I shed a tear, too, because they were crying. But when she died, all I wanted to do was dance. You were happy because she was I was free. happy because she was free. And you know, when you have Alzheimer's, a lot of people don't know, it's just the brain, it's shrinking. 
it's, the brain is dying is all it is to it. And when you watch somebody die, and this, she was the second person I watched die because my uh, younger sister's husband was dying. He had bone cancer. And the strange thing about that was the denial of him having it. And uh, he would not, he didn't seek any kind of treatment. And he, and he cost, he possibly could have prolonged his life and not died such a horrible, horrible death the way he did. But uh, we were there, she and I together, and he was in a tremendous amount of pain. And we asked that nurse how much, how much of the painkiller would give her, and she said, well, use your own judgment. And this was a hospice nurse? This was a hospice nurse. And okay, I'd use my judgment, and she was using hers because he was in pain, and he got to the point where he couldn't swallow. And we were having to put this medication up in her, his rectum. I'd have never thought I could have done that out like that. You know, he was, he, was, he was a very private man, but when you need something, you need it. And if you put it in his mouth, it kind of just felt, you know, it just because his, his, his neck had twisted and his mouth was open and it just kind of fell out. And there was no injection, so we were doing the suppositories and, and pushing it as far back into his throat as we could with the painkillers. So he was the first person I sat and watched die. And then, of course, when it came to my sister, she was dying. And dying is not easy. These people suffer when they die. They're in pain. And he was, my brother-in-law, he was trying to follow the directions. And he wasn't giving her, usually when somebody's dying, they give you, they give you the leeway as needed. But he was going every five hours. She was suffering. And we were begging him to give her more. And on that fifth day, well, actually the fourth, her son came, and he's a, he's a drug addict. And so he was taking her morphine, too, at the same time we found out. But he would go in there, and he'd get the morphine, and he would give it to her because he didn't want to watch his mother suffer. Do you remember when you were a little kid, mm -hmm. and you had a tooth, and it was loose, and you would wiggle it and wiggle it and wiggle it, and then it would get really loose, but you still couldn't pull it. And then finally, you'd have to give it this tiny mm, little tug, yeah, little tug. And there was like just this tiny little piece just hanging on. Mm -hmm. Like, and it was—I mean, you couldn't chew with the tooth. It was gushy and at the gum line, and you would. But it just took that extra little pull before you could remove the tooth. You, oh, well, that's what she needed. My sister yeah, needed. Yeah, that's she what I think that about. Little, extra little push. And then, of course. To watch someone suffer for days and days and days. Yep. Um, Some people. Were you able to sleep at night? The funny thing about that whole thing is I had been having blush, uh, blood pressure issues. And that whole week I would go home and I'd take my blood pressure and it was perfect for one, five solid days. And I was exhausted by the time I got home. So. I've never been a very good sleeper, but I slept, you know, if I could get four or five hours a night, I was doing good, I thought. But it was it was a stressful situation. And a lot of times under stress, you know, your blood pressure goes up. But mine, because I knew this was going to take her to a good place, and sometimes you have to 
hit bumps along the way in life to get where you, you need to be. And in her case, she had to go through something to, with dying. And dying's not easy. I mean, after watching two people die, I know that you just don't coof unless you're in a, some kind of drastic car, car wreck or have a major heart attack and you're gone. But even the major heart attack, it hurts. But, you know, with her, it was, it was just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. You wanted to dance because it was over. You wanted to scream and cry because she was gone. But... But hadn't she been gone for a long time? But she had been gone, yeah, mentally for a very, very long time. But still in all, every once in a while, a little spark, you would see just a little spark. And whether it was recognition, which I don't think it was, it was just that, that little spark of life that was not dead yet. Hmm. But, you know, slowly but surely, the, organ, the organs die down. And then toward the last... When she did die, you know, the fluids in the body uh, let loose. And uh, my, my youngest sister helped him clean up. He didn't ask me because everybody knows there'd been a lot more to clean up because I'm weak stomach with the stuff. And she was gone, and we were happy. And, I mean, you know, that was, that was, the, that was the blessing of the year. When you think about who you are and how you are. How do you think other people see you versus how you see yourself? People see me as a friendly, happy person for the biggest part. My, this is the way my friends see me. They don't see the sadness or the, uh, the anger or something like that. I'm pretty good at hiding stuff. I mean, every once in a while an outburst may come out. But for the biggest part, they don't see me who I am. I mean, I know who I am. But uh, they, they don't see the sadness or they don't see the anger. But for the biggest part, for the last, I would say, 50 years of my life, last 50 years of my life have been, compared to a lot of people's life, my life has been good. I mean, and there's been ups and downs. But have I ever thought about leaving my husband or divorcing him? Never. Never. He loves me. I love him. And he loves family. And I love his family. And even with my family, some of them are pain in the butt. He loves them. But no, I don't think people really ever, I think some people hide things better than others that they go through. So you think people see you as friendly and outgoing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. What is it? Um, what is it about you that you think makes people think that you're friendly? Because I talk. When and now a lot of people don't like it when you when you when you're hurting. If you talk about things that hurt you, they want to shut you up. And that's the biggest thing. I don't I don't understand that. You've got to understand when somebody hurts. They need, it's like um, being dirty and taking a shower and you feel so good afterwards. But eventually when you're hurt and if you talk about it long enough and you vent long enough, you get past these things. And some of the bigger, the bigger hurts, some of the things that really hurt you, it may take you two years, but eventually it passes and you feel, well, hey, this happened to me, I'm through with it. 
I, I don't dwell on it at night. I don't lose sleep over it. So one of the things that you've been able to do in your life to sort of heal is to be able to talk to other people. Who do you talk to the most? Mm, I talk to the most probably to my sister, the youngest one that's left. And I talk to my aunt. And sometimes I just talk to anybody to listen. I mean, if I have people that that turn and feel, I mean, I can pull away from somebody if they hurt me. And I know that. And I have to really be careful with that because I can turn off that emotion. Not the love. I may still have the love for them, but... I can I can block a lot of that. I can still love them, but to be around them, no. I don't I don't want to I don't want to be around somebody that 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 hurts you so badly that you know they don't take up for you. Now I can tell you this: my husband stands by me. I may not always be correct, but he has got my back. And I have got his. Now, he's a pain in my butt sometimes, and I'm sure I am a pain in his. How long have you been married? I'll be married 50 years this year. And the brunt of it has been good. He, he is a very protective man. Sometimes he's, he's overbearing. But I know that he loves me and he doesn't want anything to happen to me. If you look back on your life, the, uh, the hardest thing that happened to you was when you were five and you were molested by the uncle. Would you say that would be the? That would be the hardest thing that ever happened to me because nobody stood by me. Did you ever see him again after that? Yes. He came to my house that I was living in and I knew he was coming. I could not believe they let him come to the house after I told, and I must have been 10, uh, I'd say 10 or 11 years old. So when I found out he was coming, I climbed up on the top of the house and I took these bricks with me. And I can remember hiding up there and getting on the edge with these bricks. And then I waited for him to come because I was going to throw those bricks at him. Were you trying to kill him or hurt him or, or protect yourself or something? No, I was going to kill him. Okay. I was definitely going out for, I was out for vengeance. Well, well he'd also said he was going to kill both your parents. That's so, right. So you were, okay. I wasn't protecting my father because he didn't protect me. I was out for nothing but vengeance. And I was there. And I waited. They never seen me. I waited. Your mom and dad didn't look for you or know where you were? No. They didn't know you were on top of the roof with, with a pile of bricks? No, they did not. Did your brothers and sisters know you were up there? Nobody knew I was up there. I disappeared the whole time those people were there. But you and were on the roof with the bricks. I was on the roof with the bricks waiting, waiting and waiting. Did you ever throw any of the bricks off the roof? No, because he never came near where I was at. And I was waiting in the perfect spot. I knew this is a path that my father took. I was waiting. Well, they never came. Did you? Were you sad that you couldn't throw a brick at him? You know, probably at the time I was, but I got past it, you know. I, 
it, the, the thing that makes me sad is knowing what he did to his own child and nobody protected her. Uh, and I talked to one of my cousins about it and I don't know what he died for, from. I hope it was horrible, whatever it was. But the, and I know that one of his sons is dead and he had a daughter and she drank herself to death. And I know why too. She was not protected. I mean, I know that my aunt knew what was going on and she did nothing. Just Do you think he threatened her too? Probably. Just like I know that when my father raped my two sisters, their mother knew, and she did nothing. She was told. And the last time I seen my father, he went to see my sister, and she told him that he, he, couldn't, uh, she, he couldn't drink and smoke in her house. And he told her, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, Carol's house. So he came, and my daughter must have been about 12 or 14 at the time. And I didn't know about him raping my sisters. But he came through the door, him and his stepson, and he threw his hands up on the hips, on his hips, and he said, I drink and I smoke. I said, not in my house, you don't. He turned around walked out the door. I slammed it behind him. You ever see him again? No, I never seen him again. Uh, the last time I seen him was then. I had no desire to have any kind of relationship with him. Is there anything else you'd like to do? No, not really. I mean, I have no desire for more money. I mean, you know, we're we're financially secure, and if something happens to my husband, I'll be financially secure. Uh, and basically making sure I know how to manage my life if he goes first, which I do. And uh, I'm set up so that if I have to go in a nursing home, I, the money's there for that to happen. But I plan on living by myself if something happens to him, which I pray that that does not happen as long as I can. And then, poof, I'll go stay close to my daughter. There's nothing else that you'd like to do with your life? Nothing else new you'd like to learn? Oh, anything? I'm always learning something new, believe me. I try out different things. I want to be able to walk and uh, hike and stuff like that. And these are things that I like to do and going to the beach and uh, staying at the beach and laying in the sun and walking that beach and looking at the uh, sea animals bird watching. I do all these things. I mean, no new tricks or anything like that. You have to know, at my age, I had to learn how to use, you know, not too many years ago, how to use a computer. Then with the new iPhones and stuff like this, I'll learn how to do all that stuff on that. Not everything I need to know, but quite a few things. My husband won't even bother doing anything on cell phone except for dialing a number, and that number is usually me. But no, I have no, I mean, I read and I learn and every once in a while I, I want to paint something and I've got the stuff there to paint and I visualize, I draw things that one of these days I may paint, but then again, I may not. It's there for me to do. And my animals, I have my, I have my animals, which I love. I love my children, love my grandchildren, and I love my stepchildren and their children. 
my husband's family and my family. It's all about the love and the trust. If you can't trust people, then that's not a good way to live. And so many people will betray you, even the ones you think are your best friends. Oh, that's about it. That's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Well, uh, Mom, thank you for your story. Oh, okay. It could've, I could have went on in detail and all kind of stuff, but I think this is a, probably a good cutting off place. It's a good cutting off place. Yeah. I'd heard bits and pieces of my mother's life over the years, but it wasn't until now that I listened to the bulk of it all at once. I decided I wouldn't interject, even if parts of her story changed a little from what I'd heard or experienced in the past. And sometimes it did. I tried to treat her story like I would anyone else's. For me, the horrors of her early life are surreal. I can't imagine the family she grew up around, the men and women who quietly ignored the violence perpetrated on their children. Little of it figures into my reality, but in a way it does, because it shaped the person who would become my mother. I'm proud that she shared her story so that people can understand that the complicity and secrecy of these acts was commonplace and to encourage other survivors to come forward so that no one's hurt goes unacknowledged.